The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. We are here to tell you about The Story Must Be Told, and that's a man screaming. The Story Must Be Told is a hot load of absurdist nightmares, fiction style, and we dip our congregation in its juice every loving Tuesday. Suburban horror, weirdo sci-fi, laughs, and queasy, queasy groans. All right, so about the guy screaming, here's a secret. He loves it. Yeah, he's fucking all about it, yum yum. Because that's what the story has written for him. The story must be told. We're your life forever now. Every Tuesday on the Last Podcast Network. Everybody and welcome. I am your muggle as fuck wizard, Holden McNeely. Actually, wait. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. I'm a half half blood. And it's my your your precious sly elfish slave Bruce. Oh, Jake. No. oh no, Jake! It's, oh. it's a house elf, Jake. Can I massage your bunions, sir? Don't give oh, him my. a sock. Don't let him live. <laughs> I just want to get close to the fight. Oh, <laughs> it's so nice to be. With friends. <laughs> oh, Dobby, why? And also, again, returning for part two of our episode on Harry Potter, uh, we've got Jackie. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love Harry Potter. And Jake, I'm very excited that you that you are discussing with us. I'm assuming you also were a huge Potterhead. No, this is actually, I'm so glad you're here with us because this is my giant blind spot. <gasps> he knows not, he knows, he's Jon Snow. I what? have not read Nothing. book one, I have not seen word one. I, I, all my friends who like flipped the fuck out when they opened up World of uh, Potter yeah. at like Universal and were just like making fucking the Hodge to drink butterbeer and I was just like, you people are crazy. No, if I needed a coming of age story where a uh, chosen one just kind of like fights the fascist evil, I just watch any anime. True. Yeah. I guess that is true. Harry Potter really is the most anime <laughs> of them all. But it is interesting, though, that like it, that as someone, not, I mean, not to say this, you guys make a living off of being nerds. Not yet. Go to patreon.com slash whizbrew and make that a reality. 
<laughs> that like that it is a, it's a very interesting because I always referred to Henry as a nerd for so long and Henry never gave a fuck about Harry Potter he's like that's not real nerddom <laughs> and I was like as for me because like I'm not into all like the video games and the anime and all that kind of stuff and yet this is where I shine <laughs> no I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna gatekeep on this this is like if Harry Potter is your thing you can go fucking you can just be gone you can just live there <laughs> yes please <laughs> so so and Jake um Jake, you you and you've seen the movies to add insult to injury. You've seen all of the movies. Yeah, yeah. While reading none of the books. Correct. What is your okay? So why don't we just get your perspective on this Ooh, as yeah. the as you before we really get into the nitty gritty of all the all the other the other half of of Potter just uh, gabbing that we have to do today to to make it a have part to two. you mean get to do today? We. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's it's one of those where I just feel like I would be like maybe someone would show up to my apartment with a gun in hand if I didn't do a part two on Harry Potter. It's like one of those. Here's the thing. They'd knock on the door and you'd be like, oh shit, someone's got a gun, but they just have like one of those dumb light up wands yeah. that they sell yeah. at like They're not at dumb. Spencer they gifts. make it real. No, the wand chooses you. The wand chooses you, and that's very important. Thank so you. So to you, what what do you what what to you what is Harry Potter? Uh, Harry Potter is a wonderful uh, world that people across this globe of ours can inhabit in. Uh, it is a tale. It is kind of this like hodgepodge of all these different kind of traditions of storytelling that uh, needed a new form, that needed a new way to like kind of inspire people. And J.K. Rowling managed to like create this perfectly crafted thing that, you know, for me, like, it was always, like, movies that took place in Sleepaway Camp. That was, like, the weird, like, half, uh, like, escape from home, half, uh, like, alternate society thing. But, uh, you know, there's been stories in Britain of, uh, what do you call them, parochial schools or boarding, sc boarding uh -huh. schools? Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was, like, this entire thing because it's you let all these ch child characters interact and kind of face these things on their own. And uh, we didn't have that in America. Yeah. And I mean, kind of, unless you were, like, unlucky enough to be sent to, like, military school. <laughs> that was always the threat, right? Yeah. We're going to send you to military school. Oh, my school. God. I would love to see both of you guys in military school. <laughs> Why do we have to get up so early? <laughs> we're just at the Citadel. Just, just, I don't, I get off the bus. I get off, I take one foot off the bus and immediately get beat with soap. <laughs> like, they didn't even, I didn't say a word You're just yet. like, where do you keep the shotguns? <laughs> I'm ready to do I'm the kill. I'm ready to do it. <laughs> I have a donut in my mouth. I'm just, everything's bad. No, um, so it's, it appeals to just all these different things about childhood. Uh, you know, that feeling that you're meant for something greater, that feeling that you want to escape your circumstances. They have, you know, it addresses race and class and all of these ways that it's accessible to everyone. And so, like, there's a reason why now all these adults who enter the real world and come across, like, injustice are like, oh, shit, this reminds me of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Dobby over there getting beaten by the police. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I will hey, say. Hey, man, fucking, I'm, I'll, I'll say, I, I don't care if it's unpopular, man. I'll punch a Death Eater. I'll punch a Death <laughs> Eater if I you. see one. Sure. I think that yeah. is a popular opinion, though. I think that we don't like the Death Eater, so that's okay. So, uh, oh, just so everyone disagrees with you as a Death Eater now? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to go Grindelwald on all y'all. You better be careful. What does it mean to go Grindelwald? <laughs> 
Um, another thing I think I really discovered and getting back into her themes actually is first of all what you said and what Jackie was getting to where uh, she's not into super duper fantasy stuff but for some reason this is accessible and I think that is because Rowling made great strides to set a fantasy world in the real world mm-hmm. and I think that that allows people like Jackie who let's say maybe you're a bit judgy when it comes to anime Whoa. and high fantasy Whoa, okay? I'm trying I'm learning I'm learning guys <laughs> I know I'm kidding I'm just messing with you but uh, uh, how it gets people in who might not normally get into and I think Game of Thrones does that in a way too just oh, yeah. because they all talk like normal people and they don't have as much of a ridiculous like elevated dialogue you don't have to like carry a fucking also there's a bunch of fucking with you yeah and a ton of fucking and eating yeah. <laughs> and just really good descriptions of meals. Um, but also, and because uh, I wanted to wrap back around and talk a little bit more about her themes of death, it also surprisingly has the reader confronting and dealing with the idea of death in a children's series. And oh, that yeah. alone is always compelling. We've talked about this before. This and is like, the one thing you're not supposed to, like, you know. Land Before Time, when we talked about that, when we talked about, you know, so many of the great works of it, Never Ending Story, like, they all have Ugh, death Artax, in some man. way. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, we did the never ending story. That was rough. Um, but yeah, I mean, for her, she, you know, uh, Rawlings says, My books are largely about death. They open with the death of Harry's parents. There's Voldemort's obsession with conquering death and his quest for immortality at any price. The goal of anyone with magic. I so understand why Voldemort wants to conquer death. We're all frightened of it. Um, and, uh, and that's why she also, and, and then also, bizarrely, even though there were all these protests, there were all these Christian parallels. Obviously, you know, Harry's story is really a Christ story at the end of the day, but they even specifically get into um, actual Bible passages. There's two verses. I think they're on the tombstones in the final book, uh, but uh, Matthew 6, 19, which is where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And also 1 Corinthians 15, 26, and it is uh, the quote, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And Rawling claims that those two quotes epitomize uh, the entire series. Because it is the the interesting idea of like, that the, the theme of death is so constant throughout all of the books, because ultimately, Harry not like giving up the idea of giving into death and that it wasn't about him anymore and that it was it was for the greater good is what ultimately saved all of humanity yes. in the wizarding world you know it's like it, because of it's it. all encapsulated in the tale of the three brothers that you get, um, I believe, also in the final book, mm-hmm. in which each brother faces death and responds in a different way, with only the one accepting death at the end and therefore being spared like a horrible end. Um, and the quote is, and then he greeted death as an old friend and went with him gladly and equals they departed this life. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's all all wrapped up in that Um very much so. And man, are there deaths, actually. Let's talk about some, some deaths. Well, I mean, oh. d- we, do you want to talk about some deaths? <laughs> did, you, uh, did you address, did, in the last episode, did you talk about what, like, Voldemort's actual name? Uh, him. Oh, it has Mort in it. Voldemort yes. is literally flee, flying from death. Flying from death, exactly, which is exactly what his whole deal was. Um, and yeah, Tom sure. Riddle, I don't know if you knew this, is <laughs> actually an anagram. <laughs> This you might be a little say. bit of a mind blower. You don't say, by the way, by, by the way, I feel like our first episode was maybe a little less spoilery, but if you really have not actually gone through the series at this point, you may want to pause this and like, if you don't want spoil, like we're going to talk about all the deaths. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about all the, 
the bullshit. So really, really, you you may not want to hear this if you oh, have man, it. Actually, Neville Longbottom gets hot. Why are you? Aww. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but she and I love I love this about her series that she really was not afraid to kill people. She's regretted killing people in hindsight. But, I mean, some some crazy deaths happen in this series. I mean, so many that were just so devastating, and it really did, like, especially as a young reader, opened up my eyes because I had never read a book that had killed off main characters. I know she never killed the main three, but I'd never read a book like that before. Of course, I'd read, like, horror books and shit like that, but not to this extent where it's just like, yeah, you love that character? Fuck that character! Dead! Wait. Wait, wait, wait. There's, I mean, there's two that I can think of from the movies, but like, what uh, besides? Let's talk about. Let's do the death list. Uh, Serious Black to start. Oh yeah. Serious Black at the hands of. You uh, say death it like that. Beatrix. Don't say it so offhandedly, Jack. Oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I was devastated. This devastated Jackie. This destroyed her. That's Gary Oldman, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop doing that. I no, know it's no, fucking no, sacrilegious. It's funny, it's funny. <laughs> Uh, Rowling said about Sirius Black, I see Sirius as someone who is a case of arrested development. I think you see that from his relationship with Harry in Phoenix. He kind of wants a mate from Harry, and what Harry craves is a father. Harry's kind of outgrowing that now. Sirius wasn't equipped to give him that. And um, then he also got fucking murdered. (laughs) So that was his whole thing. Of course, the classic one, you know, Snape kills Dumbledore, which was screamed at people waiting in line uh, in front of the bookstore. We talked about this, right? Mm -hmm. It's like one of my favorite... I mean, it's it was horrible. It's awful, but it but, is uh, the ma- way, a masterstroke. There was a video that got <laughs> like this is I guess pre YouTube or proto YouTube, where like the night of the release, someone just did a drive by on the line outside of like a Borders bookstore and just like rolls down the window and just yells, "Snape killed Dumbledore!" <laughs> I think and that then, I would have cut someone's face off. There if was they did this that to me. Perfectly sincere, slightly chubby woman literally running after the car like the Terminator, screaming, No, you bitch! (laughs) (laughs) It's just like that specific mixture of rage and hurt, like, is burned into my mind. Uh, Albus Dumbledore uh, Rowling uh, quoted uh, to say that he was the epitome of goodness and that he has always had to be the one who knew and who had the burden of knowing and he would rather not know and uh, then he straight up got murdered then there's um the one that made Henry cry I just want to say Henry from last podcast on the left Henry Zabrowski he cried while watching the movie when Dobby died because it's just so sad it's so <laughs> nice to be with friends but he did die. he did cry though because he thought that Wendy looked like Dobby to be oh, fair so oh, his dog he thought his dog looked like Dobby also, it is so sweet and and on his tombstone was writ uh, here lies Dobby a free elf and it's oh. such a his story is so beautiful and he really encapsulates so much of uh, Rowling's attempt to conquer uh, racism uh, the, the and you know, or not conquer it but but address it in her books and 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 classes I mean there's a lot of it obviously the whole mud blood you know thing and the whole like being being like racist I guess against like non-wizards as well um the idea that like you have these I mean there's a lot of like fate and innate qualities and like Although that's how you're sorted is its own weird math. I, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, as a Jewish person, I'm just going to say fuck those fucking money goblins. That's a little weird. That's a little fucked up. 
I'm sorry that I cackled so hard at that. No, joke. it's fine. I, I cackled in the theater when I watched it for the first time when fucking Willow just shows up with his hook notes being like, I love money. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was that upsetting, I guess. Probably. I mean, it wasn't until I saw the Jewish stars on the floor, which is true. If you look at the set, what? there's no. like the, the tile pattern. Why? They're, Why would they do it like that? I, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, they did really, I mean, at Gringotts, they really did protect everything that they had, though, so I will say they were very good at their jobs, at least. Yeah, they were really good at their jobs. Because I was, I was reading about, like, different foreshadowing in all of the books, and there was the warning at Gringotts in the very beginning at, uh, of in Sorcerer's Stone that foreshadowed against people thieving from Gringotts and that they would mm. ultimately um, really regret it, which they did, you know? Mm. <laughs> Another on the death list, Fred Weasley uh, during the Battle of Hogwarts. Oh, I think that is maybe the yeah. most. Oh. And she even she even talks about and sometimes like regretting killing him off a little bit. I mean, it's a very sad because also his what is George his um, his twin brother his twin brother. I mean, it's like you're breaking up twins. You're breaking up a whole family. I mean, it is it's it's an understandable choice in a dramatic sense. But but okay. But here's the thing is um. Like, all these deaths are, like, kind of... These are all, like, trope-disposable people. Yeah, yes. Like, uh, who died from the Weasley family? The one who had a backup. Right. (laughs) Who died in Hogwarts? Uh, The literal, like, old sensei who... in. Every hero's journey has to die. Right, yeah. right, like, right. Uh, the, the but Dobby, did uh, Dobby, Dobby have to go? He's, he's, he's fucking, it's like, it's like, R2, it's like when R2-D2 gets shot and everyone thinks, it's like the little cute thing, of course he has to die. If you want to feel better about Dobby's death, you can see uh, behind the scenes shots of his death scene where all the actors, because he's CG, has to hold this like dumb like plaster cast Aww. of Dobby and they are cracking up the entire time because he had to shoot this footage and be like, no, 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 why? Stay with me. And he's and it's just this like literal plaster of Paris like goblin thing just like staring up at him dead eyes. Although I can't even imagine though how, the, like weirdly enough, I imagine the guilt she felt about killing off characters like Dobby because she had mm. also said that she almost killed off Arthur Weasley, but since um, she had killed off his other father figures already, that she wanted to keep at least one good, solid father figure for all of the characters. That's true. That's got to be a fascinating conversation to have with yourself, too. And when you have this super popular, huge creation, it's a big, giant epic. And you know you're about to make 10 million children <laughs> Cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're about to ruin you, and just just going back and forth. Should I kill them? I, she said uh, Hagrid w- was an excellent candidate, but from the very beginning, she always imagined him carrying Harry Potter out, uh, the mm. dead Harry Potter, out from you know the battle scene or whatever. Um, and so that kept him safe, Ugh. which is another fascinating. Like she was thinking in that way, like, oh, he's safe from my murder stroke. <laughs> oh my god! Because I have, you know what I mean? Like, how crazy is that? Even you just talking about that gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. Remus Lupin. Oh, Werewolf McWerewolf. Werewolf yeah, McWerewolf. Yeah. <laughs> so upsetting. That, I, think, I think the Lupin Tonks death is the most, because his also his lover, he was so miserable for so long. He gets together with Nymphadora Tonks. Oh, so They're sexy. Awesome. Power couple, just killing it, you know, paparazzi coming after him or whatever. They have a kid. They're ripping it open, and then and then she just takes them. From she the takes earth, them. She both takes of them, them leaving like another Harry Potter in the wake, essentially because this, this kid's gonna be all fucked up too. You know what I mean? 
It's very sad. Yeah, but at least it wasn't like a Neville Longbottom kind of situation where your parents are just um, cursed into being crazy for the rest of yeah. their lives. So it's like, I'd almost rather them be dead. Him, <laughs> Neville may be one of, one of my favorite, I think he is, besides like Luna Lovegood's probably my favorite, but Neville is maybe my second favorite character. I love when you start a, a, a series out with like a bumbling oafish person, a person who's like whatever, all clumsy, whatever, right? And then they slowly become this fucking like power hero badass. And when you're like, oh, what a goofy loser. Let's all, he's always the butt of the joke. And then you find out his like horribly tragic backstory <laughs> oh. and you're like, it changes everything in the way that you look at him. You, I mean, you could reread the first book and look at Neville completely differently. That's how oh, I never thought about that. That's mm -hmm. really good. And you think about the weight of his life that now he also knows that he could have been Harry Potter, that he was so close to actually being the boy who lived that, mm. that it, it would have changed the whole game for him. So think about how he views his whole life of like yeah. what could have been if only my parents weren't strong enough to remain alive if they had yeah. just died when the curse was placed on them. Uh, that was actually also a really like, I'll hand it to Rowling that, uh, Rowling? I'm not... Uh, I believe it. I always said Rowling before, like you, and then I had it uh, told it's actually Rowling, okay. like Rowling in the deep, as Lexi said, and I was like, very British. <laughs> <laughs> Spiffy British, ain't it? Um, oh, that's smart. Um, oh, oh, so having Neville be the like thing that puts Gryffindor over the edge in the house cup in the first book where it's like, okay, yes, we've all had fun and like broke the rules and had an adventure. But seriously, if you see your friends like doing something really dumb, say something. Yeah. Don't just yeah. let it happen. And last, like a nice little lesson. Lastly on the death list, uh, the pr probably the most tragic figure of the entire series, Severus Snape. Um, who, of course, Ugh. is later to be revealed as a hero, as, as someone who is... Such a weird arc. I love it. That's so good. It's amazing because you don't expect it. It's so smart. It's so smart, but also just like, Harry, come close. Come closer. Oh, no, wait. What's like a, a good out? Alan Rickman. You have to get it up in the like the upper palate. <laughs> Ooh, Alan that's Rickman. good. That's good. Like where the nose meets the top of the mouth. That's where Alan Can you Rickman say just is. a step to the left? Just a step the left, Mr. Potter. Um, <laughs> Harry, Harry, please. You, you'll have so many questions, so let me let me lay it out for you. I wanted to bone your mother real good. <laughs> you have her eyes, Harry. You have her sexy eyes. Oh. Time for me to die. Okay, can you please get you, your hands out of your pockets Do you feel right better now? now, Harry? I gotta die now. <laughs> but I, it's seriously smoking hot. But also yes. R.I.P. Alan Rickman as well. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Yeah, Siri. Yeah, how dare you, Jake? Asshole. Boo! I'm back. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> what? Oh my God! It's, a, it's another Christ parable. Um, so Severus Snape, uh, based on uh, Rowling's old chemistry teacher, and uh, that the and she always said that the worst, shabbiest thing you can do as a teacher is to bully students. Um, she, he was one of her favorite characters to write. Uh, I think that's because he was such an anti-hero, had so many layers to him. And Rowling said about, uh, this about plotting out Snape's arc. I had to drop clues all the way through because, as you know, in the seventh book, when you have the revelation scene where everything shifts and you realize what Snape's motivation was, I had to plot that through the books because at the point where you see what was really going on, it would have been an absolute cheat on the reader at that point just to show a bunch of stuff you've never seen before. And she even 
Um, there was like a, a girl who came up to her after a uh, like a book signing or something, and totally like called out what was gonna happen, and uh. she was all freaked out, like, "Oh fuck, is my secret like too obvious?" You know what I mean? Um, but uh, yeah, I think for the most part, it was people were pretty blindsided. But even I, I knew Snape kills Dumbledore. And I love that even knowing that giant, like, spoiler, it's like the Red Wedding or anything else, yeah. even knowing that, like, big spoiler, <laughs> like, like I still had surprises, you know? I mean, I still had, but she was yeah. plotting that from the very beginning because it was, like, mm. one of the first things that Snape asked Harry about was asking him about the, the Bezoar, which is, like, the, the thing that you shove down somebody's throat if they're, be, if they're poisoned, which he uses in Half-Blood Prince. And that was mm. so... She had been plotting that from the very beginning that, she, that he was going to, like, kind of help, but not help whatsoever. Which, can mm. you imagine planning that far in advance? Right. And, and, he, and she didn't even realize that Harry Potter was going to become what it became. So in putting yeah. all of that work in into it. She kept her job through the second book. I mean, that's how little faith she had in the series is actually coming to full fruition. So it's amazing to do that. But it really teaches me, just like Tolkien taught me, start with a map. Uh, this really teaches me, like, and map the whole thing out. Like, even if you're just, you, this could just be a one and done book situation. If you do perceive a series, don't like leave it up to the ether. Like map it out. Do yourself the service. So like a good mystery author, she has to write the ending first. Uh-huh. Yes, and she is a good mystery author, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Uh, as Robert Galbraith, I am loving this <laughs> uh, loving career revival. Yeah, right. She's reading uh, Cuckoo's uh, Cuckoo's Calling, and I'm I'm reading the third book. Um, and man, she's a great mystery novelist, which makes sense because, uh, we, as we mentioned last week, every single book, uh, every single Harry Potter book, is in in, a, in its essence a mystery novel. For sure. I wanted I wanted to talk more about um, the other characters in the book uh, and and kind of work our way through some of those. Uh, I've got some stuff on that, so uh, I figured we'd start with the obvious, uh, our lead, Harry Potter. Mm. Uh, Rowling said this about him being an orphan. Harry had to be an orphan so that he's a free agent with no fear of letting down his parents, disappointing them. Hogwarts has to be a boarding school. Half the important stuff happens at night. Then there's the security. Having a child of my own reinforces my belief that children above all want security, and that's what Hogwarts offers Harry. Well, until Um, the last, you know, couple of books. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now he's just super fucked, but you know what I mean. Um, And uh, she actually called, which I, I, I couldn't believe I didn't see this before, but she calls... King Arthur in T.H. White's The Once and Future King, uh, Harry's spiritual ancestor. Of course, King Arthur, and that includes, that, uh, Once and Future King includes Sword in the Stone mm-hmm. and the other works, and that makes so much sense looking back on it. Of course, King Arthur, this, you know, came out of, he was like the servant kid in those books, right? And then he was the only one to, able to, like, wield the sword, and so no one, like, really trusted him that he could do it, but Merlin, the Dumbledore, you know, teaches him how to be a proper. Are you quoting king? the book or the movie with the sexy squirrel? Both, <laughs> okay. a little bit. There's sort of. I remember reading Sword in the Stone in high school or middle school. I can't remember, but I remember like enjoying it enough. I love that squirrel scene, though. <laughs> Sword the, I've said this already. Sword in the Stone is probably my favorite Disney movie. It's fine, but like, also you should read the Once and Future King. It's really yeah. fucking good. 
You, okay, so you read them. Did you read them all back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I've always just been sexually attracted to all these people written all these books, and now as an adult, I realize, like, oh, that's why I was reading it. I mean, of course, the fancifulness, but, like, I also want, like, oh, this spindly dude that can pull a sword out of a rock. <laughs> Will he kiss me? <laughs> so who is the most fuckable? I, uh, Rolling would hate us talking about this, by the way. She's very weirded out by people talking about uh, the shipping aspects of her character it's literally if you this we talked about this a million times it's just if you build a world that is so complete but omit the very important fact that people want to fuck the phantom will just fill those gaps fill the blanks and fill it real good so who is at the end of the day the most fuckable character in the harry potter universe i mean i think i talked about it last week because obviously the weasley boys and even i mean <laughs> I, I never was truly into Ron, but I would have taken Ron. But uh, but I, I, I really wanted to fuck all the other boys. I'm just so shocked because I always thought that your number o unan was Sirius Black. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, like, I, you know what it was? It was that whole brooding book. It, it, like, uh-huh. like the, the book when both Harry and Sirius are on the same, like, brooding track really didn't do it for me. Brooding has never really been my, my main MO. And also, of course, Hagrid. I fucked the shit yeah. out of Hagrid. Right, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, where's your oh, fucking head? Well, what about disgusting. you guys? Who do you guys want to sleep with? Um, uh, you know what's funny is uh, what uh, Bellatrix. Hell yeah, Bellatrix. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. would scar me. I think physically and emotionally. I th- I wonder if I would actually like really like Luna as an older woman, but I, it's like hard to say because I don't want to ha- be yep. with girl version of her but I really always liked um is it Trelawney the the kooky teacher mm, professor Trelawney yeah I kind of like there's some about like she's just got that crazy that I feel like she'd be a lot of fun okay okay hear me out McGarnagal but I make <laughs> her halfway transform into a cat because I'm an anime weirdo Ooh, I would hate okay. fuck Umbridge I would hate fuck Umbridge oh yeah what? just shove her fucking face <laughs> under like under a tub of water as you're fucking you're like oh you can't breathe she may be no no leave the sweater on she's probably <laughs> in my like top five villains of all time it's oh, amazing God. Umbridge is incredibly well written and really well played in the movies too if we're gonna talk about that as well I think that she is one of the, and Stephen King even talked about how she she is one of his favorite all time villains, which is pretty rad. Um, so uh, yeah. just piece of fucking shit. The that, worst. I just I because I really do feel like the, the, I like reading a book like that and just I was like if I saw a person that I thought looked like her in my head on the street I'd try to beat the shit out of. Her. <laughs> <laughs> also, all the characters were a lot hotter in my head. Uh-huh. To be yeah, in the mo- yeah, they kind of messed it up a little bit. Well, in the, the fan art community definitely fills that in. <laughs> yeah, uh, if I die tomorrow, I will have seen eight million sexy Snapes. <laughs> mm. I'll seen like teen sexy Snape, gender bent sexy Snape, alternate universe coffee shop sexy Snape. The teens want Snape sexy. <laughs> Um, one more thing it. about Harry Potter, by the way. Uh, his birthday is July 31st, which is also Rowling's birthday, and I think that is a little nod towards her feeling like he's like a part of her. Mm-hmm. Um, now we move on to Hermione Jean Granger. Uh, she actually got her name from Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale, yeah. the, the character 
the character in that play really doesn't bear any other resemblance to her whatsoever, but um, that is how uh, she got her name. And it's she is actually, and I think we mentioned this last week, but she's based on Rowling as uh, a, a, when she was younger. Rowling apparently was a little know-it-all with a lot of insecurity and a great fear of failure deep down. That's actually quoted from Rowling herself. Um, and it was a way for Rowling also to express her feminist conscience. She really put that in Hermione as this strong, independent woman um, in many ways. But yet she was still, like, real. She wasn't just like, ah, you know, she had a lot. She did have that insecurity that gave her more layers made, I think. I was, her, I was no, talking to Marie about this, and uh, it's what she said was that Hermione was this, like, because there's always this trope character of, like, the, oh, you boys, like, I got to fix all your bumbles. Mm. But, like, because Rowling was an actual female author. <laughs> she actually wrote her with humanity as opposed to like yes. all the other kind of fantasy genre fiction people that just make her a wet blanket. Well, mm-hmm. I also, totally. I feel like it really did uh, round out her character that that when Ron Weasley was dating Lavender and she was so upset about that, I thought that like, I just remember thinking that it would be so easy to write Hermione that was just like, no, she's a strong girl. That she would be like, hey, Ron, I, I, I'm in love with you and I want to be with you. But she didn't because she was still like she put that into her to be a well-rounded character of like no she's still just a teenager that's scared of saying what she really feels about when about things when it comes to her emotions so instead Hermione just kind of like loses her mind off to the side because she's in love with him but is too scared to say it and doesn't want to ruin their friendship I mean, I feel like you epitomize that in a lot of ways. You're like a frightening woman that's scary to me at all times, but at the same time, you have all these vulnerabilities, and you would totally be, wouldn't just say something like that to somebody if you had, like, a huge crush on them. You know what I mean? Or, no. Or, like, you you can go from being um, a frightening monster woman to being very emotional, like, within a snap. You know what I mean? Because you've got all the layers. I will say it was Thank really you. cool when I saw you punch <laughs> that blonde child in the face. That was a very Hermione movie. <laughs> Of course, her nemesis is Pansy Parkinson, um, and she was based on a bully that tormented J.K. Rowling when she was growing up. Uh, Ron Weasley, uh, he was also created the first day, as uh, on the very first day, as Rowling has put it, when, when she, that, that day she was hit with the idea on the train. And she, he was actually inspired by J.K. Rowling's best friend, Sean Harris, who got a dedication in Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently Sean also is always there for her, like Ron is. But of course, she's far more superior. She became like a billionaire novelist. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, fuck really that guy. Out. But you know, <laughs> uh, we already talked about Neville. But let's talk about. I I wish I could have found more on Luna because she like Lexi and I. Luna Lovegood's like our favorite character. Mm. She's so funny. She she just is the like every time she was like in a scene, especially and actually um, uh, rolling. We'll talk about this a little bit more later. But R- rolling like had so much fun writing her commentary over the Quidditch match in the in the like final book. That's and it awesome. Is, it is one of the funniest parts of the book. Like I was like laughing out loud reading it. She's so she's such a great character, and she reminds me of me a little bit of people I liked, you know, and, and the weird kid, the weird kid. She's the weird kid. And she's so like lovable, I think, um, as that character. Yeah. But also fuck her father though, because he's an asshole Uh that ratted them out. All right. I'm not talking about her father. I know, but I hate him. I'm sure she feels bad about it. Uh, Rowling describes Luna Lovegood as the anti Hermione. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I said, uh, she wrote that Quidditch, uh, game commentary with, uh, blinding inspiration, as she put it. Um, then, of course, we've got Hagrid, uh, Rubus Hagrid, uh, Rubius, is it Rubius? 
His name is derived from another old English word, meaning if you were Hagrid, it's a dialect word, you'd had a bad night. Um, uh, and as she put it, uh, uh, Haggard is a big drinker. He has a, had a lot of bad nights. Uh, oh, it's like being Haggard. Yes. Essentially, it, just, it was all a reference to his drinking. And um, she also came up with Hagrid on the very first day. Man, I had read some great fan fiction about Hagrid just, mm. man, laying some pipe on anything <laughs> he could get his hands on. And that that was always my favorite um, X-rated Harry Potter fan fiction. Oh, my well, God. Did you ever read Feathers Flying a Hagrid X Buzzbeak uh, slash fiction? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Draco Malfoy. Loosely based on bullies from Rowling's childhood. Didn't have too much more on him. And I think that's pretty much it. I mean, there's so many characters. I'm glad we mentioned Umbridge. I'm glad we mentioned Trelawney. Are there any other I'm leaving out that just deserve mention? One of the greatest things about her work is really the colorful characters that fill it. Uh, and I think that I, as, as I was like trying to pull more characters to learn a little bit more about them, I was just like, man, the, I forgot about this one. And we didn't really even talk about like the beasts and the creatures, you know, the, 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 the uh, Ferenzio. Right? Is that yeah, the uh, centaur? Yeah, that was the centaur, yeah. Um, I also would have had sex with him. Right, absolutely, which would have been interesting. And I have actually, people have sent me some deviant art of you having sex with him, Jackie. Ooh, so, please yeah, I'll definitely share. Send that over to, I was keeping it in my secret folder on my desktop, but I guess I will send God, it God, that unicorn blood looked so delicious in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The unicorn, the... um, uh, That, that whopping willow gave me the frights. It's a real gross looking thing they throw Ooh, in there. Oh, yeah. And, and just the trope of the defense of the dark arts teacher thing was so great <laughs> out that they were always like secretly evil or getting killed or like whatever or, or whatever it was. Like, right? There was always a thing with that. That was a lot of fun. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Hogwarts. Uh, Hogwarts. Rowling has stated that the name accidentally was pulled from the might have accidentally been pulled from the Hogwarts plant that she had seen in Kew Gardens years before writing the series, um, and it was based on a few different locations. Rowling's own school, uh, I think it's called Wydean, which was near a forest and had the four house system, which is crazy to me. Wait, How, what does that they, mean? I guess it had the four house system. Like I didn't look. I should have looked more into it uh, in terms of specifically Wydean, but. They had the same thing where you went and, you know, you were... I mean, it's a common... The, one of the things about the I guess whole, a way for them to compete with each yeah, other and stuff uh, like that within I, the school. My yeah. experience is going to, like, sleepaway camps, but right. they all these weird little traditions and all the ways that they segregated kids into different, like, uh, factions in order to, like, create this sense of community and pride. Like, the whole thing, uh, you know, is, is this organic kind of self-perpetuating thing uh, that... Uh, you know, helps shape young people into the adults they were meant to be and also creates this almost like cult-like uh, loyalty to the institution that then your parents have to pay to keep sending you to. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the house system makes perfect sense. Jake, have you taken the Pottermore quiz? Do you know what house you're in? Do you even, do I even need to fucking, I've, I was born Hufflepuff before <laughs> I even knew <laughs> what a Hufflepuff I thought you were, I figured, I took you more for a Ravenclaw. I'm a Ravenclaw. Oh. Of course I'm Ravenclaw. I fucking no. love Ravenclaw. If anything, yeah, no, if, I'm either a Hufflepuff or I'm just like uh, one of them Neville Longbottom Gry uh, Gryffindors that have yet to emerge into the hero I was meant to be. You and are Jackie the hero you were meant to be. Oh, thank you, Jackie Zabrowski. <laughs> and Jackie is furious because uh, you uh, deep down you want to be Hufflepuff. I don't think you're Hufflepuff, though. Oh, no, I am Hufflepuff. Oh, uh, you are Hufflepuff. You I am to be, Hufflepuff. I want to be Slytherin. 
Slytherin? Oh, yeah. that makes a lot more sense. Of course yeah, I yeah, want yeah, to yeah. be Slytherin. Right, but no, right, right. I am apparently a... Uh, did I tell the story last week about... I think um, so, but you can retell it right now. Yeah, yeah, that, that my that we took... After leaving the Harry Potter... After leaving Harry Potter world, Henry had taken me and his wife and my mother and me and Natalie and my mother are all obsessed with Harry Potter. So we took the quiz on the way home and my mother's a fucking Gryffindor and Henry and Natalie are Slytherins and then I took it and I was a fucking puff. And I was pissed <laughs> off. I was angry about it. And then my mother talked me into being good. She's like, but they're loyal and they're just and they, they work hard and they came back in the end. And it's like, I know you're right. I should be I should be happy that I'm on you. So now what? You know what? I'm number one puff. I'm fucking bitch puff forever, and I'm all for it. The world needs more people that are just here to eat some snacks and try not to hurt everybody. <laughs> I just want everybody to get along. Yeah. Isn't that the true story of the Hufflepuff? <laughs> Being bummed out at first and then learning to embrace it and love it about yourself. You know what I mean? Like I had to clean out my desk today because we're moving offices, and I... the. the I was, I'm literally covered in trash. I'm a fucking Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other places that Hogwarts was based off of is Ch- Chepstow Castle, which is a mile from Wydean, her, her actual school, and is the third oldest stone castle in Britain and holds a giant beech tree at the side of it. The Wampin' that that, Willow. That Wampin' Willow. And also, and I've seen this one, and it really does look like a school of magic, Edinburgh Castle. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to mention, well, t- talk about Edinburgh Castle for a second. Oh, all I was, I was going to say is it stands in a high cliff and generally just looks very magical. So, uh, Rowling spent time in Portugal, right? Uh, yes. And so, if you look this up, like, I'll, I don't know if you can open this up because this is crazy. Uh, the University of Porto actually has a uh, uniform that's literally the Hogwarts uniform. Like, it's uh, black, uh, you know, jackets and sweaters. Uh, white shirt, tie, and these robes, these like capey, cloaky things. And so, like, the idea of all these like bright young minds kind of like walking around like junior wizards. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just one to one the Hogwarts uniform. You know, and she spent time in Portugal. Yeah. So, that's what I'm saying. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I'm and sure especially that. like the kind of places where she were, was, there's like, it's basically any like small Portuguese like shopping area, market street is just Diagon Alley. Like, all these yeah. handmade crowded um uh storefronts uh you know that uh that there's it's, this is when viral a million times but like the uh the bookstore or the library in porto with like the crazy sky high shelves and the mm, staircases yeah. everywhere you're that's just hogwarts yeah yeah she, that's just she just saw hogwarts already it's just the library yeah i um you know and, and we talked about this last week but also that look is just very dickensian it's also like my favorite i love <laughs> that kind of a cobblestone tight yeah. you know windy streets it's like the best ever kind of way to wander around a town um let's talk about quidditch okay so as uh would you (laughs) all right would you okay okay here's the scenario you're walking through central park and you see a bunch of grown adults riding Uh, like with brooms between their legs running around throwing balls under inflated volleyballs through hula hoops i mean i have seen larping before yeah 
So would you join in? Would you like be like, hell yeah? Or would you be like, oh, guys, come on. Uh, I would watch for sure, like a weirdo in the corner watching. You know, because there mean? was like over a hundred eighty teams like active at it's the height. Kind of crazy, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, it, it started in two thousand seven. The Intercollegiate Quidditch Association was founded in the U.S. and was later to be named the United States Quidditch Association instead of Intercollegiate. And several colleges picked it up as a team sport, such as UC Berkeley. Wait, what do you? It, so what do? You, what do you say? Do people actually play Quidditch? People, people actually, actually play, play Quidditch. Quidditch. Look Jesus it up. Look, Christ. look it up right now. No, the, you don't know about God, this? no, I didn't I know about this. Before I before I ever read Harry <laughs> Potter, one of the thi- one of my biggest probably turnoffs, and I apologize if you at home enjoy playing Quidditch with your buddies because I don't want to like talk, sh- you know, I don't want to like wreck your fun. But it was definitely one of the things that made me like not want to read the books. <laughs> was uh, the pictures of college bros oh, with man. fucking brooms. I think it's you know what? I think it's it like be, you have to keep the broomstick between your I legs. I think that if it didn't have the broomstick, I'd be less like eye rolling at it, but it's the it's the fact that you have a useless broomstick between your legs that's just there for no reason whatsoever. No, it's a physical challenge. It, it adds to it, it's because it, then you oh yeah, yeah you got to keep it there. But if they, you got to keep it there, I feel like if each individual player created an apparatus for them to fly, quote unquote, I'd be more down with it. I'd be more into it. Yeah, if they were all dangling on ropes or something. Yeah. Maybe? Oh yeah. The, no, the funniest thing is that they're the golden snitch in that game is just a tennis ball. Is no, is someone wait. Uh, maybe I, the video I oh, saw was different rules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the video I saw explained that it's someone just dressed in yellow who's <laughs> on neither person's team That's with, amazing. like, uh, you know, flag football, like, uh, tag on their back. <laughs> And they are free to run in the stands, outside the stadium, around the block. And, like, the Seekers just have to chase this weirdo. So I think that's way better than what I than what the official rules are. Oh. Um, but I do think that's like way more fun and interesting. So the way that I have seen professional Quidditch being played from like the Wikipedia rules or whatever, it is played within a rectangular pitch with rounded corners. Um, it's two teams of seven players each. The quaffle is a slightly deflated volleyball. And players, oh. so you can like really grab Which it. Which is one actually hand. how they it, it was described in the book, though. Okay. Oh, really? The players yeah. must okay. get it into one of the three hoops for ten points. Players get tackled to stop this and throw bludgers, which are dodgeballs. That makes a lot of sense. At opposing players, and the game ends when catching the snitch, which is apparently eighteen minutes in, I believe. Uh, the snitch is released, which is a tennis ball, and the first team to grab it essentially is the one that. Um, so it could go that on seems for more a while. Formalized, a then. little more formalized than what you did, but I think a dude dressed like a golden <laughs> snitch, and in my head, I see him having like he's in a, a ball <laughs> costume with the like fairy wings, running around trying not to get caught is the my favorite thing ever, and that's what I want to believe it is. Uh, but it is reality. pretty crazy going back to the whole foreshadowing of everything. That, like, the fact that, like, the snitch that Harry Potter first got in the beginning of the books is with the final, it had the final horcrux inside of it. Yeah. Like, that still, it's like, that was that such was cool. a good, that was such a good circle come back around at the end. She's so good at her circles at oh. coming back around to these things. The, um, the, uh, so I think one of the big, uh, differentiators, like, this is the test of whether or not you're a true Harry Potter fan, is when describing Quidditch, if, like, the, the uh the the un the unlearned the the luddites will just be like 
So what's the point of the rest of the game if you just need to grab the snitch? And the true fans are like, no, no, it's not how that works. You can win without getting the snitch. It's just how the game is. You know, one game went on for two and a half weeks because the snitch was so hard to find. <laughs> it's not just about the secrets. And then you're like, how many points is the, is the snitch worth? It's 150. <laughs> it's like, get Why fucked. is the game not called Find the Snitch? Find the Snitch. And it is true. I feel like I, when I was reading it in my head, I was thinking like, why the Snitch should be worth way less points to make like for more interesting games. But what are you going to do? Because it needs to be both like polo and uh, field hockey mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, uh, what's what's um uh, cricket. Cricket, that ah, fucking ancient long yes. game. I will yes. also say, I know that little about sports that to me, I was like, ooh, you gotta get it. Oh, you just <laughs> get the things. I don't know anything about sports. You put it in the thing, and then and then everyone's happy. Uh, af- oh. So apparently they came up with it after an argument, uh, they, by they, I mean Rowling, after an argument with her boyfriend at the time, Rowling came home with the sport, uh, came up with the sport in her hotel room. She said, I've been pondering the things that hold a society together, cause it to congregate and signify its particular character and knew I needed a sport. The name was gotten from filling up five pages of notebooks with words that start with the letter Q. And this is such a thing that she does. She loves to come up with weird words. She she loves just her making up her own etymology. And, and the, to the point where she would actually sit there and fill five fucking pages of Damn. a notebook up with the words that start with the letter Q to come up with it. Rowling said um, this, though, about how much she fucking hates writing about Quidditch. To be honest with you, Quidditch matches have been the bane of my life in the Harry Potter books. They are necessary, and the people expect Harry to play Quidditch. But there is a limit to how many ways you can have them play Quidditch together and for something new to happen. (laughs) So uh, she actually has talked about how one of the things that keeps her from ever thinking about, like, writing more books in the series is just the pure fact that she fucking does never want to write another Quidditch match again in her life. But why does she have to write about it? Like, I mean, it's it's the same as, like, I, I mean, how often do I talk about basketball? Not very mm-hmm. often. Right. Well, I mean, I feel like she could, but I feel like everybody would be like, make my Quidditch! Well, if you said it, if she sets it back at Hogwarts, like, it's she made it so that so much of the culture revolves around it that it would be weird to admit. Right. Uh, yeah. I'd like, can I throw in a uh, shout-out? Because I feel like this is a good time. For Brad Neely's Wizard People, dear readers. Sure. Uh, Brad Neely, the guy that did uh, China, Illinois, and like uh, a bunch of like viral videos, uh, has a personal commentary for the Harry Potter movie that runs the entire length of the movie. For the Ooh. first one, he would do live readings of it. He's made a recording you can find it online. And the Quidditch scene is like one of the funniest fucking things I have ever watched in my entire life. Because, you know, it's they're doing, doing the whole thing, zipping around, the snitch comes out of his mouth, all that stuff. And, like, you hear in, like, the very Brad Neely voice, it's just like, the crowd goes absolutely bazonkers. The <laughs> champions in red and yellow are the victors. And Harry is spent. <laughs> he holds up and that snitch and bellows, I am a beautiful animal. I am the destroyer of worlds. I am Harry fucking Potter. And that, dear readers, at last the world was quiet. <laughs> it's so good. You can watch the whole movie that way, but you can find the Quidditch scene on YouTube, and it is so worth your time. That's, Ooh, I watched so the hell good. out of that. Oh, my God, Jackie, you would love it. I'm down. Um, So uh, I want to briefly talk, as I don't have a lot to say about these other in-universe books. Maybe you have some light to shed on them. But there are a few more, you know, extra books you can read. A lot of these were actually written for charitable reasons. But you have uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, of course. Yes. Um, I think that's just an encyclopedia that they somehow figured out how to make an entire film franchise out mm-hmm. of. 
Uh, by somehow they just threw, C- literally just screamed CGI mm-hmm. at 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 a director until he just like made some CGI bullshit. They just did it. Uh, Quidditch through the ages, all, all about all things Quidditch. Um, the Tales of Beetle the Bard, which is the storybook referred to in the series. Did you read any of these, Jack? I honestly, I mean, uh, since I had explained it last uh, last week, when it's like Harry Potter, that was the end of my childhood, and I closed it, and I was just like, and now I am done. And, and so I, I actually didn't get into all this, and not because I don't love the entire universe, but I kind of wanted to keep it like a time capsule for myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes these extra materials, I feel like if you're an obsessed kid, they're everything, right? They Exa- want everything. Exactly. If it ended and I was 13 years old, I'd be like, I need more of it. But at that point, like, I was okay with letting it, with, right. with closing the chapter. Releasing it like a snitch into the I remember pitch. there would be a huge deal whenever there was, like, something <laughs> new, something meaty would get dropped on Pottermore. Uh-huh. That's like more so than the spinoff books. It was like, oh, some there's it's a, someone's journal from the first Wizarding War or something crazy. So I Pottermore just- launches um, in 2012 by Rolling, um, and the uh, users can be sorted into their house, like we said earlier. You can get uh, chosen by your wand and get your Patronus. I'm trying to remember what my Patronus was. It was something fun, and I can't remember what it my was. My Patronus now. is an Irish wolfhound. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I I like to I like to serve and protect. Mine was something goofy. It was like a goofy kind of dog or something. Mine was like a fun one where I was like, what? I was like a weasel or something. You know what I mean? It was like something ridiculous. That Mine's makes a sense. sea turtle. I didn't take the test. I just know in my heart. Know <laughs> your heart what, what about you? Do you remember what wand you had? I can't remember what wand I got. Kind of yeah. surprised. Well, mine's like, a redwood and it's got unicorn hair in it. So get <laughs> fucked. I'm lucky as <laughs> shit. <laughs> Um, and yeah, my wand's a Hitachi. Plugs <laughs> in the wall. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it did have eighteen thousand words of additional content from Rolling as well, and it's still uh, up. I think they refined it a lot recently, um, but it's a great resource. It's a really great way. Like we were just talking about, you know, for Lexi especially, like when you're finished with it and you don't want it to be over and you just want to like live in it a little bit more. It's a good way to keep it alive. Um, another good way to keep it alive is through fan fiction. Love it. <laughs> fan sites started sprouting up as early as 1997, and Rowling had a great relationship to these, even handing out a fan site award um, to different sites that she she liked. Uh, notable ones include Emeritus, which is dedicated to Sirius Black, as well as Godric's Hollow, Harry Potter Lexicon, MuggleNet, oh, and yeah. The Leaky Cauldron. Well, and that's um, what we would do, like, after we would get the books at midnight, and then we'd all stay up reading for, like, two or three days straight with the help of Adderall and sometimes Blocane. We would finish <laughs> our books, and then we would sit... I'm cranking a bunch of blow, <laughs> reading about fucking, uh, you know. You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah, I'm a fucking Harry! wizard too. We're like jumping <laughs> off the roof, uh, but we would sit and and read aloud fan fiction to each other. Uh, especially all the spicy, spicy stuff. But that was also around mm. the time that we decided to make our own butterbeer. And this was before there was any recipes for it online. So what we did is we essentially made mulled wine, but with beer. And it was disgusting. Okay. But when you're 16 years old, you know, you'll drink it because we uh, got yeah. it somehow. So so we put a bunch of, like, cloves and stuff in it. It was really, it wasn't good. Mm. Uh, in 2007, a study showed that Harry Potter was the most searched for fan fiction, with the most popular site being HarryPotterFanFiction.com. 
and uh, there are many notable ones. One, have you heard of the Shoebox Project? Mm-hmm. The Shoebox Project. Oh, you have? You've heard mm-hmm. of Shoebox Project? I mean, I read I, I, I read through a lot of this stuff. <laughs> uh, so good. So you can actually speak towards some of this. Maybe you can give us, because I was just pulling off of sites like, here's some really good hair, but I don't really know. You know what I mean? You probably know better than me. But um, yeah, the Shoebox Project, a fictional history of Hogwarts recounting the contents of a shoebox under Remus Lupin's bed. Two authors created this, and it contains handwritten letters, illustrations. Like, they went crazy, apparently, and worked on it for years. Oh, yeah. And it, it, which is, like, to me, that's insane to take. It's like, how mu- how Rowling must feel about that, that people will go in and spend that much time on a universe that she created. Isn't it? Like, I feel like that would just blow my fucking mind. Uh, you know, it's funny. She said this about um, fanfic, and especially on shipping. I had never gone and looked at fan sites, and then one day I did, and oh my god, five hours later or something, I get up from the computer shaking slightly, what's going on? And it was during that first mammoth session that I met the shippers, and it was a most extraordinary thing. I had no idea there was this huge underworld seething beneath me. Dude. I love that seething, too. It's so <laughs> See- funny. Oh, it's seething. It is seething. Uh, it's, it's, it gets really disgusting. I know another one. Apparently the most reviewed piece of Harry Potter fanfic is Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, which Ooh. attempts to explain <gasps> wizardry using the scientific method. Oh, my God. I'm just, I'm sorry. That was <laughs> it all flashback, came flashback, 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 flashback. Amazing. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about that. No, because Dude. all that's gone. Like you don't get to watch reruns of it. Like all that fucking two thousands web shit is just locked in our collective minds. Right. Because I remember I downloaded this and I like I like broke my mom's printer because I was trying to print it <laughs> yes. out and it was so long and I was like, but I can't because like you know that was the time when we had a family computer, so I didn't have my own computer. And I was like, I can't just sit at the computer and read it, so I need to print it out and I broke the printer. Well, one of the things I, I love, because actually one of the things I love the most about Name of the Wind is mm. that it kind of attempts to do that in a certain way. It tries to scienceify the Explain magic in, the, in that book series. And weirdly enough, like the technical scientification of the magic is one of the things I love so much about Name of the Wind that it just grounds it in a certain way. So it's very cool. Do you remember anything like... What was interesting about that, or I don't remember, but at the time I was super into it because I was also <laughs> around the time that, like, you know, I I was still thinking that I was gonna get into meteorology and become a, a, a like a doctor for NASA, like that's what I wanted to do. So at the time, I, I thought you were about to say Weather Girl, and I was about <laughs> to like laugh my fucking ass off. No. That was your goal was to become a Weather Girl. No, I wanted to work channel. for NASA. <laughs> You can would, still do that. We should no, do a I last can't. podcast network news. <laughs> a what? Last podcast network news. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Jackie, be the weather girl with your meteorology. Like, I don't know. My breasts are out. <laughs> I'll just slap on my breasts. <laughs> um, I'll do sports, and it's just me being shoved into a locker. How do you play it? <laughs> oh, um, God. Oh, don't hurt my body. <laughs> I'll, I'll do, like, pop culture, and it'll just be Jackie screaming at me, like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, from the Weather Girl station. So uh, here's some other ones. Tell me if you recognize any of these. Hermione, Queen of Witches? No. It's from her, it's from her point of view in the you form of You better mention diary. the one that I want to have here mentioned. I think I have quotes from probably the one you want me to mention. Good. Is it really bad? Yes. Yes, yes. I do have quotes from it. Uh, Bond, I'm saving that for last. Bond, which I- is a... 
the second I just, sorry, I just read it on your notes, and I remember this just because that was also at the point in time when I was only sleeping essentially with against, not that I meant to, only homosexual men. So I definitely <laughs> read Bond. Draco slash Harry uh, mm. fanfic in which two boys end up married after arguing in a doorway. Mm. Which one ends up pregnant? Uh, which one? <laughs> Good question, <laughs> Everybody's pregnant. Probably, probably the, the Nagini. Um, Everybody's super pregnant. The politician's wife, which is set 20 years after the series with Draco and Hermione working for the Ministry of Magic. See, that I don't like know a- that one, but I did always want to watch Draco and Hermione go down to Poundtown where, like, Hermione, because I've definitely <laughs> read that story before where Hermione is the dom and Draco's the sub, and I'm just like, yeah, bitch, kick it the fuck up. So now, Jake, are you referring to My Immortal? The 2006 to 2007 classic My Immortal, <laughs> a masterpiece of satire. How can you see into my eyes like open doors? <laughs> you mean Evanescence, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, it was named on, after the Evanescence, the Evanescence song. song for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you remember this, Jackie? No, I just remember. I mean, I've seen Evanescence this four times like, in concert. I'm about to give you this a really is, nice gift by okay. having you. You're definitely going to want to read my immortal. This is Tommy Wiseau's The Room of Fan Fiction. Yes, it yes. has like lived on beyond. <gasps> oh, I do know about this. Where she's writing in like really broken English. <laughs> yes. And it's like, yes, I know. Yes, I know. Fills my immortal. Off, like author notes every other sentence. It's, it's like, it's a, watch out, guys. This is super scary. <laughs> it's about a 17 year old female vampire named yes. Ebony and her romantic relationship with Draco Malfoy. Yes. It was written by user XXXBloodyWrists666XXX. <laughs> six, 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 six. <laughs> and uh, I have some juicy quotes for you guys if you'd mm, like to hear I'm ready to get juicy. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. And then suddenly, just as, I, as Draco kissed me passionately, Draco climbed on top of me and we started to make out keenly against a tree. He took off my top, and I took off his clothes. I even took off my bra. Hell yeah. Then, <laughs> then he put his thingy into my you-know-what, and we did it for the first time. Ooh, I'm- yeah, that is that is just gold for a 14-year-old where you're like, I know that, my thingy and his holies. Also, uh, took off was actually took of, but I'm kind of sparing you some of the spelling errors because those are more fun visually than hearing them. Here's another one. Uh, Hermione was kidnapped when she was born. Her real parents are vampires, and one of them is a witch, but Voldemort (laughs) killed her mother, and her father committed suicide because he was depressed about it. (laughs) Wake me up! Wake me up! I can't wake up! Save me! Here's an, yeah, there, from the nothing there's a lot of like I threw on a Lincoln Park song <laughs> and slipped my wrist. There's constant talk about slitting the, the wrist. I mean, it's clearly satire. It's beautiful satire. Yeah, but it like, is. The dedication to the bit is so good. It's so good. Uh, here's the last one. Everyone in the class star- stared at me, and then Draco came into the room, even though he was naked, and started begging me to take him back. <laughs> now that's <laughs> how you get a girl back. You just show up naked inside of her room, she'll definitely take you back. And that was in the classroom. Uh, can you I read? shut up naked in the classroom. <laughs> can I read one? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Suddenly, a gothic old man flew in on his broomstick. He had long black hair and a long black beard bread. He was wearing a black robe that said Avril Lavigne on the back. He <laughs> shotted a spell and Vladimir ran away. It was Dumbledore. <laughs> God, did they ever reveal? Did, did people ever find out who actually wrote this? This is God. Uh, no, that's actually well. Uh, th- there's been a lot of back and forth. There's a lot 
about this. We should do an episode. There's, it could almost get. Yeah, I could definitely get like a bonus episode because there's a whole thing about trying to figure out who wrote it, and all these different people have come out saying they wrote it, but then they're like, no, and then, you know what I mean? It's like a whole crazy fucking thing. All right, that's all I have on the fanfic. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I'm good on the fanfic. Uh, what else do we have? I have I have a few uh, things to finish out with. Before we close out our uh, two-parter on Harry Potter. Uh, it just went by so fast. I feel like there's just so much more I to know. discuss. But then it's just like, and then we just get into the details of the, well, here's one. We got to talk about, uh, it's such a timely episode, actually, because of all this uh, Twitter meme shit. Uh, oh, yeah. That's been going on. So can, who wants to explain this? I, I can, I can do, do you think you can do it best, Jackie? No, you, ta- you take it down. You got all the things in front of Okay. So, just essentially, J.K. Rowling has been retconning the history of Harry Potter in different ways, but weirdly enough, like, mostly via Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite ones was that, like, at one point, I actually love the one that was, like, at one point they didn't have proper plumbing, so they would just, like, magic away their own poop. Oh, yeah! Which I thought was kind of cute, funny, little Twitter thing, and I was like, oh, that's fun that she's doing stuff like that, but I didn't realize, like, all these people are getting, like, super pissed about, like, well, other just, shit. You care about this world so much, and then she just can't, it's, it's that Hogwarts didn't have uh, indoor plumbing for a very long time. Until muggles started coming in, yeah. Yeah. So, before that, so the idea that just generations of wizards just bippity-boppity pooping <laughs> their shit yeah. away. Thesesis experience! <laughs> um... Also, I think one of the big ones that uh, I don't really necessarily like, I don't have a big issue with, but I do get it that a lot of times it feels like maybe she's trying to just make choices to kind of address modern political climate shit. And then well, you're sort of like, oh, but of course the whole Dumbledore being gay and being in a relationship with Grindelwald. But again, and that already, stuff. that was already, it made sense. It was unnecessary yeah. in the book to say it. Because it it was obvious. I I, uh-huh. I feel like that was the kind of thing that she just figured people would get. And that's why she said it. Of course, all the other extra content. I have no problem with her tweeting out care. about like cr- like expanding the universe. A lot of a people shit. are very angry about it. But it's right. just like she lived in that world and she created this world. You think that the world just left her head? She's still thinking about shit. And it's pe- just, I feel like it's just having your cake and eating it too. That uh-huh. you want the credit for being woke. When you wrote a thing in a time where people weren't woke. Right. And then you want to be like, nah, I was secretly even more woke. Way woke. I mean, I think one of the but funny like, ones. But it's not hurting anybody. The idea the, that you're yeah. like sitting in bed angry. No, you should get angry because she is like, uh, whatever. It's fine. One of the funny ones, too, was that Nagini was actually like a Korean woman at one point, And then she like turned into Nagini over well, they time. Put, they put that in the fucking movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, that was yeah. also a part of the uh, like the stage show, too, where it's like people like all the backlash when Hermione was cast as an African-American in mm-hmm. uh, I believe that it was in it was in London. Right. And mm-hmm. everyone flipped out about that, where it's just like she's just a person. And yeah. J.K. Rowling came out and said or I'm sorry, J.K. Rowling came out and said, like, I mean, I never specifically was like, this white girl is doing things. You know, it's like, right. it, it's er- there There are parts of it that are left yep. up to interpretation. And go get fucked if you're going to be, if you're going to get upset about this, you're going to get upset about almost anything in your fucking if life. If any one thing becomes the be all and end all, you're, it's going to cause strife. Because right. I'm old enough to remember back when the movies were cast and people were mad at uh, at uh, what, Emma, Emma Watson mm. because in the books, Hermione was described as having like slightly kinky hair and like, maybe like a little bit of a darker complexion people uh-huh. were like no this, like uh, so it's never 
Yeah. You got to just kind of own own the flaws. My my thing is this, because people are comparing her to Lucas with this stuff, George Lucas with this stuff, but I would have to say this. First of all, uh, I also, with George Lucas, don't think that the prequels ruined Star Wars. You know what I mean? Because that's ridiculous. You can just, like, not watch those movies and still enjoy your Star Wars. Second of all, I think the one thing Lu- George Lucas did that is a little egregious that Rowling didn't do was he actually, like, futzed with the actual original trilogy. Yeah. And if Rowling was, like, putting out a new version of Goblet of Fire, you know, with these weird little then touch-ups Then I'd be and pissed. Stuff, then it'd be a little weird, you know. She does. She she has said though, if she could ever go back and do a re-edit on uh, any of the books, it would be Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. Why? I wonder why. She felt they were a little too long-winded, um, and she said she just wrote them when she was like super stressed out in her life, and she felt that she got a little lazy with like the ending of Order of Phoenix and some of the some little things. So See, I, I guess mean, I feel like that was at like the height height of my Harry Potter obsession. So any extra she words no she had to say I was like, please give me more. Totally. I, I do like the meme. I understand they're playing. I love the meme. No, when it says like, everybody and blank and then JK uh this one is from uh Fred Delicious just like reading Harry Potter to my kids. And then Hagrid, JK Rowling crashes through the ceiling. Who had hepatitis, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the ones that I have up. That's a, it's a longer one. It's just like, nobody, and this is J.K. Rowling. LOL, Dumbledore and Grindelwald were totally doing the sex. And people, okay, will you put it in a book or a movie? J.K. Rowling, no. People, ugh. Nobody, nobody, nobody. J.K. Rowling, so much sex they were doing. So much sex, I swear. <laughs> it's very funny. It's very funny. It's, I, Something could be unfair and funny. Yes. Not, especially in the realm of so much fan fiction happening around yeah, the yeah, series, yeah. too. To have Rolling almost writing her own fan fiction. <laughs> yes. She's she's so weirded out by shipping, and then she starts shipping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, um, I was talking to somebody, too, that it's like, I feel like she's trying to stay relevant. And I was like, but uh-huh. in our generations... She's always relevant. I don't I don't think that there is any way for her to not be relevant at this point. Yeah, totally. There's like just yeah, it's like Star Wars. It's like Superman. It's like Batman. It's 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 it's, it's canon. There. It's it's, it's, it's forever. There. It's, yeah. It's forever it's part of the culture. And just wait like five years and then put another like new edition of the books out and then just be incredibly on the circuit again if that's really what you want. You know yeah. what I mean? Um uh, a couple things though and uh uh I think that are great about her. She's such a philanthropist. She's the president of Gingerbread, which was once called One Parent Families, that supports single parent families in England and Wales. That's awesome. She also wrote Fantastic Beasts and Quidditch Through the Ages for comic relief to raise money and has since raised 5.7 million pounds. Fuck yeah. She founded the Children's High Level Group, which is now called Lumos. Uh, after the spell that gives light. Aww. Uh, and, mm-hmm, and that helps orphan and children in mental institutions. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's done a ton of great stuff. And she's contributed millions for research and treatment of, of course, multiple sclerosis, what her, her mother, mother passed, passed away, from. away from. Yeah. Um, and and now, again, I'm going to gush over Robert Galbraith really quick. That's her pseudonym. She uh, she uh, is writing the Cormoran Strike novels. There's four of them. I've I've been loving them. I'm on the third one right now. Uh, reading them with Lexi. Uh, at first, the book sold 1,500 copies in hardback until a columnist from the Sunday Times did some digging and found out it was her pseudonym. And once it was revealed to be her, sales rose 4,000%. <laughs> I will say, though, good for her that she tried. She yeah. tried to write underneath something else to see if people would dig it. She did mm-hmm. try to at least, I and mean, even if she was a part of the fact that it did get dug up, that she didn't try too hard to pretend like it wasn't her. 
I'm still proud of her for like that her name is not on the front cover because it is something that's completely different but like we were discussing before still that mystery idea and she yeah. does such a good job in just the right amount of getting into detail about everything and it's so fun to read her write blue and she writes re- it gets bluer and bluer as the series goes on the second book the silkworm is all about an author a novelist that gets murdered and so she does a lot of writing around the the publishing world which is a lot of fun to read, and the novelist is this not is this like fiction writer who just writes like really filthy prose, and you read the excerpts from it and stuff, and it's so fun and fascinating. Feels just... very weird imagining her sitting at her typewriter. Yeah, and the, like, the <laughs> third, and the third one from what Lexi tells me, she's way ahead of me, is like her darkest, most fucked up one yet, and Ooh. which is a lot of fun. The uh, his uh, I. I think I can say this without people getting upset. The, the premise, the very, it happens in the very first chapter, but Robin, who I love, by the way, the character of Robin is the best, right? Yes. Robin is his, like, secretary that kind of was thrown his way via a temp job, but she always secretly wanted to do this kind of work, and she's about to, like, get married to this fucking douche guy, and, like, she was about to live this normal-as-fuck HR life, and then she finds herself, like, loving, like, hunting down these criminals and fuck stuff. yeah. And um, at the beginning of uh, uh, A Career of Evils, the third book, the one I'm reading now, she receives a letter in the mail uh, a, a young woman's leg in the mail and that's how it starts Dude, it's so dark and it's so it's awesome so it's Cormoran Strike and he's ex-military and, and now he's like a PI uh, or a uh, yeah private detective and he um, he's now trying to track down all the people he thinks might want to kill him right. you know from all of his dealings in the military and all of his dealings as a, a all the people he put away as a private investigator it's awesome it's such a fucking good series and I'm just so I love that she I almost I like I had so much respect for her for Harry Potter alone. The her sh- the fact that she has such a, a great um, range makes me just have so much more respect for her as a writer. Just seeing her write in just a completely different way. But also the um, fact that she can bring generations together. Where it's like even mm. again with these books because you told me about these books and I bought them for my mom and my mom ripped through them. Oh And hell we yeah. both have also always had the Harry Potter thing together. So, and mm. she also loves this too. And I was like, fuck yeah, we're killing it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so just to round it all up, uh, Harry Potter is translated into 80 different languages. I read somewhere it was translated, um, only the Bible has been translated in more languages. Damn. Uh, it sold more than 500 million copies worldwide. Of course, it led to the film franchise, eight video games, and the licensing of more than 400 additional Harry Potter products, all worth upwards of $25 billion. In 2007, it was the most searched, as I said before, fan fiction on the internet, and it's so successful that the New York Times actually had to start a separate children's book bestseller list because nuts. of Harry Potter. Nuts. Isn't that That's crazy? That's so fucking cool. Uh, and I have one quote to finish it out from J.K. Rowling about writing. If you were ever curious about doing it or um, wanting to get into it, she said, my feeling is if you really want to write, you will do it. You will find the time and it might not be much time, but you'll make it. Uh, and there it is. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, but there's just so many things. <laughs> Well, if we ever have some more things to talk about, uh, it'd be great to, if you want to join us on some like bonus. I mean, the making of the movies like is its own. I mean, the movies too. We can we can do the movies sometime down the road. I'm um, down because yeah, that'll be a whole other discussion um, for sure that we can have on this show. 
Jackie, thank you so much for doing this with us. Dude, this was great. Thank you for giving me an opportunity, even though it was just um, just mostly a gush fest coming from me. Uh, because, like I said, on page seven, Marcus and Molly don't really give a fuck about Harry Potter. And so I, it's something that I keep on the inside and I only let out in very small squeaks. So thank you for giving me the opportunity for a couple of hours to discuss Harry Potter. Well, and I, I feel love like, a good squeak than a gush. Well, I feel like too, with Jake's lack of reading the books, that we needed you. We to, needed you. to get to get through these in, in a proper fashion because even I don't have the uh, great fortune to say that I actually read these when I was young. You know, I, I came to them as an adult, so uh, having that perspective was so helpful. And I think you're nerdier than me, Jackie. Just whoa, it out there. whoa, meteorologist, and you're reading the fan fiction. I've never read fan fiction before. You've I'm never read fan fiction before never, anything. Never, never what do you mean, fiction? never? I've never read fan fiction. Never. Doubt ever. it. Doubt ever. it. Ever. No. Ever. I'll just look, look at a different thing that, that someone else made. Mm. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Jackie, page seven. Talk yeah. about what do you want to plug? Give the plugs. Please check out Page 7 is on the last podcast network and we've got our Patreon page, patreon.com slash page7podcast. And then also, Holden and I do our Friday Japanese Twitches and we uh, we have a fun time. We used to play Dating Sims and now um, it's, it's more just of like just... It's like a cl- video clip show where we get drunk watching YouTube videos. Hey, we're going to play some that more Japanese Dating fun. Sims soon. Hell it yeah, is a lot will. of fun. Uh, you should join us for one of those, Jake. Yeah, um, please do. I have some dating game suggestions. Awesome. Okay. I was lonely in high school. <laughs> uh, and uh, Japanese uh, Dating Sims and uh, any of my other Twitch streaming happens on twitch.tv forward slash holdnatorsho. You can uh, check me out there. Also, check out our Patreon if you want to support the show further. Uh, weekly bonus episodes for just $5 a month, and that is at patreon.com forward slash whizbrewjake. Hey, if you, uh, you know, maybe you don't, you're not ready to contribute to the show financially, but if you still want to help us out, go on over to iTunes and leave a review. It helps with visibility. It helps keep us in the charts, and it genuinely is just a tremendous help to us. So, uh, you know, just take out your phone. You're, you're listening on your phone. Just leave a review on the uh, podcast app or iTunes. Mm, I'll kiss you. I'll kiss your little ears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. Hell yeah. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on gushing. And go get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.